0: Over the last few weeks, we said that if we could get one percent better at following Jesus every day, it would have a huge impact on our lives. We said that small, consistent improvements can have a huge impact given enough time. Last week, we talked about developing a system of stacking new godly habits on top of habits that already exist in our lives. This can be extremely useful because stacking habits minimizes the friction that comes with starting new things. We said that the key to the long-term success of the system is our new godly habits need to be obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. Obvious or we'll overlook our new habit in the busyness of life. Attractive or the habit won't seem worth doing in the moment. Easy or we'll run out of motivation to stick with it before change actually sets in. And satisfying, because when we feel successful, we tend to want to continue to work hard and improve. We said that there were two things that we could do to make our habits more satisfying. One, record our success, and two, invite others into the process with us, because oftentimes others see improvements before we do. If our new habits are obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying, they are far more likely to stick for the long term, will be primed to get better, and look more like Jesus every single day. However, in your life and in mine, there are existing habits that aren't taking us anywhere good. In fact, we probably all have habits in our lives right now that are actually sabotaging the intimacy with Jesus and others that we crave. Remember Paul's words from Romans chapter seven? We read them last week. He said, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Most of us can identify with Paul's angst. Today, we're going to learn to hack our system of habit formation so that we can start to get rid of the bad habits that are derailing us and taking us places we don't wanna go. The uncomfortable truth is our bad habits don't crop up overnight. Bad habits are almost always the result of a series of choices that we make over an extended period of time. Most of us would agree that sin can be fun at first, but the consequences of sin come later. We've all watched people trade in their dreams for the future for the allure of instant gratification. In the heat of the moment, we forget that today's decisions are always evaluated in light of how they impact and shape tomorrow and beyond. This is why Dave Ramsey famously says, live like no one else now, so later on you can live like no one else. Dave tells people to drive their cars until the wheels fall off. He says to avoid credit cards like the plague. He tells his listeners to pay off all their debts, except for maybe their mortgages, and save three to six Months worth of expenses in an emergency fund and invest 15% of their income into their retirement. Do you have any idea why so few people actually live like that and actually do the things that Dave Ramsey says? It's not because it isn't wise. It's not because it's all that complicated. Most people choose to ignore Dave's counsel because we want what we want now and we're willing to roll the dice and worry about the future later on. Lots and lots of folks get to the age of retirement and they wonder, where has all our money gone? As their kids back down the driveway and head off to college, lots and lots of parents wonder with tears streaming down their faces, where has all the time gone? But the simple fact is, no one will ever steal more of our time or our money than we will. Far too many of us spend our time on things that don't really matter and our money on things that won't last. These are bad habits that have to end. Remember, our greatest regrets are always preceded by a series of unwise choices. So James, the brother of Jesus, offers this advice. So get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. Like it or not, we've all got bad habits in our lives that need to be removed. The question is, how? Last week, we talked about implementing a system that can help us draw closer to God. Is there a system that can help us remove the bad habits that are derailing us? The answer is yes. The secret to breaking a bad habit is pretty straightforward and will sound kind of familiar. The key to breaking the bad habits in our lives is we need to make our bad habits invisible, unattractive, hard, and unsatisfying. Remember how we said that our habits, both good and bad, are formed in the same predictable loop – cue, craving, response, and reward? To create a good habit, we said that the cue must be obvious so we don't miss it. The craving needs to be attractive so we'll act. The response needs to be easy so we don't lose our motivation, and the reward needs to be satisfying so we'll repeat the habit later on. The secret is when we invert these rules, we can defuse a bad habit. When we make a cue invisible, we reduce our exposure to its craving. When we make a craving unattractive, we focus on the benefits of avoiding the bad habit. When we make our response hard, we increase the amount of friction and resistance between us and the habit that we're trying to break. Finally, when we make a reward unsatisfying, and we make it unsatisfying enough, we dramatically decrease the likelihood we will want to repeat the bad habit again. So let's say we're feeling convicted about how much time we're spending on our phones. We know we won't have our kids at home with us forever, and we don't wanna waste these valuable moments with them. How can we break this bad phone habit by making it invisible, unattractive, hard, and unsatisfying? First, remember every habit begins with a cue. So how does your phone get your attention? Do we have alerts turned on so that we'll hear it chime or buzz? We naturally set our phones in places where we can see it and reach it really quickly so, to begin, we need to consider what cues are flying under the radar that are initiating this bad habit. Once we know the cues, we can start to make the habit invisible by turning off the alerts and setting our phones in places where they're less likely to be noticed. If we can hide the cue, we are less likely to feel the craving. But let's say we have a craving to look at our phone. How can we make the craving unattractive. This is the most difficult step in breaking a habit. At its core, a craving is an impulse that tells us that something is missing in our life. When we crave pizza, food is missing. When we crave a mate, intimacy is missing. So the question is, when we crave a look at our phones, what's missing? The answer to this question could be a lot of different things, but the point is, whatever the craving might be, your phone is probably not really going to satisfy it. If you feel uneasy because you're out of the breaking news loop, your phone probably won't bring you the lasting peace you're looking for. It can't because more breaking news is sure to come. If you feel lonely, your phone probably won't bring you the lasting connection and community your soul is longing for. The vast majority of the time our craving, in this case the phone, is only addressing a symptom, not the deeper issue. So to make the craving unattractive, we need to be honest with ourselves. Say out loud, my phone isn't really going to make me feel better. When we pause and go through this process, we are actually activating different parts of our brains and beginning to rewire the way we think. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 15 and 16 allude to this. It says, My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. See, the vast majority of our bad habits can be traced back to a belief in something that isn't true. Looking at porn won't really bring us the intimacy that we're looking for. Cheating on our taxes won't really bring us the financial freedom that we want. Getting drunk won't erase the frustrations of a bad day. So let's just be honest with ourselves. Let's empty these bad habits of the allure and attraction that they sometimes possess by speaking what is really true. On top of that, if we make the habit of checking our phones hard, it is far less likely to sideline us. When we make the cue to check our phone invisible, we curb the likelihood that we will feel the craving to check it. When we make checking our phones, which is the response to the craving, harder, we're adding friction that will make checking our phones far less satisfying. So, how can we make checking our phones hard? Well, you could turn it off, you could keep it in another room or in the glove compartment of your car, You could ask someone that you trust to hold on to it. You could come up with an incredibly long password or have someone you trust come up with your password and then put it in for you. You could maybe even delete the apps from your phone that waste your time. All of these options add friction that make checking our phone not worth the effort. Finally, to break a bad habit, it needs to be unsatisfying. Once we've made our response to our habits hard, we're 90% of the way there. But what if you had people in your lives that you told that you were committed to being on your phone less because your time was too valuable and you were tired of wasting all your time? Well, because you've made your intentions public, the cost of being caught on your phone by a coworker or your spouse will be way more painful. No one wants to look like a hypocrite or a failure. No one wants to have a dozen people asking them why they're on their phone or why they're on Facebook or why they're on YouTube. So by inviting people we trust into our habit-breaking process, we can make failure even more unsatisfying. So how can you make the cues of your bad habits invisible, the cravings unattractive, our responses hard, and the reward unsatisfying? Keep in mind, Not all of our bad habits are sin, but many of our bad habits can lead to sin. Eating too much is gluttony, which is a sin. Drink too much alcohol and you become a drunk, which is a sin. These are bad habits that Jesus' followers need to address in their lives. Being on our phone and watching TV, they're not sins, but they can lead to laziness and idleness, and depending on what you're watching, lust, which are definitely sins. Spending, 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 and racking up a bunch of debt isn't good for us. It makes us slaves. It's a bad habit, and we need to address these in our lives when we see them crop up. There are really two important reasons why the followers of Jesus need to break with the bad habits present in our lives. First, as we've already said, these bad habits that we allow to metastasize today will become the cancers of tomorrow. The followers of Jesus can't sacrifice the future on the altar of the present. Secondly, and just as important, we are here to make disciples. That's the mission that we've been given by Jesus. And disciples are basically just little copies of their teacher. So as the disciple makers are making disciples at home, at work, and at the YMCA or wherever, They are duplicating themselves in their disciples. But here's the problem. If your life is full of bad habits, these are likely going to be duplicated in your disciple. They're going to pick up on those habits, too. If you don't believe me, get a three-year-old. They pick up on everything their parents do, and then they do it, too. That's a picture-perfect example of discipleship. Jesus also told us that this was true. One day he said, "'Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much the child of hell as you are.'" When we fail to break with the bad habits in our lives, we are sacrificing a better future, to be sure. But we're also sabotaging our ability to make disciples who look like Jesus. Paul said, "'Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ.'" Can we say that? Can we say to someone we are discipling, just follow my example because I'm following Jesus? How could we possibly say that if our spending habits are out of whack, if our eating habits are out of whack, if our work habits are out of whack, or if our, if our serving habits are out of whack and we're not committed to doing literally anything about it? We're all a work in progress. This process of progress is called sanctification, and is done in us by the Holy Spirit. He constantly presents us with habits and tendencies in our lives that are sabotaging the intimacy with Jesus that, that we long for. And we have to be willing to break with those bad habits and listen to his leadings. So what are the bad habits that you need to break with in your life? Will getting rid of them be hard? Probably at least at first, but remember, almost everything that's worth doing is usually hard at first. In fact, Paul says this. He says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Sure, breaking bad habits in our lives will be hard, but it will be worth it, and our futures will be brighter, and the disciples we make will look a lot more like Jesus if we stick with it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Your Word, and we thank You for the work of the Holy Spirit that He does in us, and we just ask right now that You will help us to be perceptive to His leadings, and whatever habits exist in our lives that are taking us further away from Jesus, we just ask that You reveal those to us, and then that You give us the determination and the, the fortitude to remove those from our lives so that we might be able to make disciples who look like Jesus. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.